0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to amplify the voices of those women whose stories are moving and meaningful. Um, Today's guest is Topaz Smith. Not only does she have a cool name, she's just a really cool personality. I got to know her a tiny bit on a phone call prior. But this will be the day where she just unveils and reveals the amazing woman she is. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Topaz?
1: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Susan. I really, really appreciate um, being asked. You bet. (laughs) um, Yeah, so a little bit about me. I am Topaz. I'm the founder and CEO of Enoble, which is a travel service connecting travelers to subcultures globally. I started this journey um, as a student at a middle school, uh, I attended an international middle school and high school and each year we went to a different country we studied a different language and during my time there we did um, Brazil, Japan, South Africa, uh, England, Wales and Portugal. Um, and I study a lot of different languages. I had colleagues from all over the world, um, come to the school, for, uh, come to the school. Yeah. Uh, from South Korea, Italy, Serbia, Japan. And so I was just always immersed in culture. And so that exposure really led me to, um, just this human mindset and just wanting to amplify other cultures and really immerse myself in, um, different ethnic backgrounds, um, for as, as long as I can remember, really. So.
0: Mind... Blown. I will <laughs> tell you, you uh, for a woman who was once a girl who came from Louisiana, um, that kind of global worldview is just not very common, you know, people where I grow up, they they grow up there, they might travel a bit, but they go back there and they think that's how the world is. Not at all slamming them. I'm just saying it's so nice that you had the opportunity, or took the opportunity, or created the opportunity to expand your mind and and you know um, have a global worldview. Um, let me ask you: Have you ever studied any Geert Hofstede and his Cultural Dimensions Index? Um, I do not remember that. All right. Well, I'm gonna send you a little something, something after the show, because you are living it. Um, it's amazing research and work that he's done. And I bet you've seen this, whereas across the globe, people are generally much more um, connected and collective than we as Americans are. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to be individualistic and And in the last four years I've seen nationalistic, but we won't go there. So so I love your perspective. Um, I was gonna ask you, what do you mean by connecting, you know, to subcultures, but now I know what you mean. And I think it's fascinating. Uh, I I would love for you to write a piece and, you know, talk to my audience on stage and, you know, actually just, you know, go everywhere with me. Your perspective (laughs) is so amazing. this is courageous, but you don't know it because it's been something you've been doing all your life,
1: right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Fact and and when you're you Yeah. But what even speaking specific to subcultures, um, when you were saying, you know, to act to act, to well, I'll I'll just I guess give a little bit more um info on subcultures that I focus on. Uh, one one of the experiences that I had, um, was while I was living in Rome. I was studying abroad there and I needed a place to do my hair. And this is a story that I've mentioned because I think it's literally one of the most transformational experiences that I've had in my life. And I couldn't find a place to do my hair. It was literally like (laughs) impossible. And so I went on the bus and I said, anybody who is black on the bus, I'm literally stalking them off the bus. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) I saw a black female on the bus and she was sitting there and I was like, okay, so I'm gonna follow her. And I follow her off the bus. We get off at Rome Termini, which is like central Rome. And she's just like, obviously notices me. I'm like, oh my God, hi, you know, in Italian, I'm like dove and I'm like pulling out my hair because that means where. Yeah. And, and she's like, I speak English. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. And so she ends up walking me to a hair salon in a basement, which is like, so it's like very close to Rome, Germany. And in the salon, it's like packed with all these people from the African diaspora. Um, and there's this Nigerian flag that's there. Um, that's pinned up and there's a barbershop on one side there's a beauty salon in the other and then there's a grandma selling like fufu and other Nigerian foods and I just felt like I was transplanted to New York City and I couldn't nice. believe that there was such a, a community and established business like this in Rome you know you don't hear that story well, and so when I speak about subcultures I speak about you know those spaces that exist those enclaves yeah. those silos inside so- of cities that are so interesting two
0: things that come to mind when you tell this story one is curiosity is such a powerful tool right and two Mm -hmm. your courage to stalk her and ask her dove um i speak a little italian so i knew what you meant and number three there is a big number three what a smart niche business for that person huh (laughs) that's a great story i I would love that's you know So that story is loaded with so many lessons and morals and and ideals beyond just where did I go to get my hair done, right? Mm -hmm. So um, just the underlying, you know, the fact that it was packed. The fact that it was in a basement, the fact that you had to seek someone out, you know, to ask where to go for this, this is all such good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully that will change, right? We're working yeah. on it. We're working yeah. on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's a great story. And it's so indicative of really those of us who care about equity in the workplace and equality in the world. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a... a um, An analogy for what we have to go through. I mean, we have to really look far and wide to find, you know, black women in positions that they deserve to be in, or, Mm -hmm. you know, women in general in, you know, at the C-suite or a seat at the table, or we shouldn't have to look so hard to find, Mm -hmm. you know, equity or, 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 you know, not just diversity, but inclusion, right? Diversity is easy, inclusion is hard. Um, yeah. So I love that story. What a great story. You should write about it, talk about it, tell it. It's it's, know, it's funny and it's sad at the same time. Um, well, let's yeah. talk a little bit about your, you know, whatever you want to talk about your, you know, occupation, your, your community involvement, whatever, whatever's important to you. I want to know you better. I want my audience to know you as well or better than I do, because I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, literally, I'm a fan. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, when people hear about what I do in terms of the, the approach to tourism, they, they want to know why, you know, and so not only have I had these experiences from a child, but, and then lived in Rome, but I also worked in Positano in the Amalfi Coast. Oh, and um, that experience, that was luxury tourism. I was actually the first black person to work there. Um, wow. And it, yeah. And it has a five-star hotel, it's a two Michelin star restaurant. And so it's very um, luxurious, right? Luxurious. Yes, and so, you know, having to be able to kind of hold my own in a space like that, um, was pretty important to me right and I, I worked in Italian in Italian systems everybody else was Italian and there was also somewhat some um someone from C- Sicily yeah, so that's where um, I'm
0: from Palermo
1: oh is it yeah nice <laughs> my,
0: I'll tell you later my story this is about you today <laughs> don't but, be scared
1: um, <laughs> But um, I think that that experience was just profound in um, in terms of just knowing how important people are and respecting people in a way that you're constantly giving of yourself and, and wanting people to um, to just. Ex- experience um, joy um, that that was kind of what you served in hospitality and tourism it's like everything was for the client everything is five-star service and just being taught in that way i think was really really great for me um, for for my life and just even in the career in in my career path so um doing that experience that led me to understand how business and the environment intersect from a hospitality lens which I really wasn't being taught in class it was more lived right Um,
0: let me ask you really quickly before you move on from that um does that in the inverse so so my background is client service measuring client service in financial services is you know it's it's about five-star service in financial services does that mess up the rest of your life because not a lot of people are you know they don't have that level of (laughs) expectation of five-star service i know it kills me like you know when i am not given five star service regardless of what the issue is whether it's at a hotel or at my bank or at the grocery store
1: Yeah. It kills me. Yeah. It definitely makes you, it makes you, it makes you really realize like, okay, well this person really just doesn't know.
0: (laughs) Right. Do you ever decide not to do business there anymore because of that one person's one action?
1: Um, you know, I think, you know, there has been situations where I decide like not to do business in a place because of that. And there's just a certain standard, even for clients, right? There's a certain right. standard that you have to maintain. Um, and you just can't do it because that that just puts you at risk. So your
0: whole reputation. Uh, yeah. 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 Totally. I hear you. I love yeah. everything about you. I mean <laughs> good thing I'm in San Francisco. I might be knocking on your door in New York if I were any closer. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome
1: oh my days yeah thank you
0: you're incredible so someone actually recommended you to me uh said you have to have her on your podcast um, another member of fourth floor we should give them a
1: shout out they do great work yes yes Angie Barnes that is my woman. woman yeah she's the one that referred you now she's
0: referred two people to me and I'm like well why don't you be on my podcast you're pretty awesome at lifting women and she's yeah. like oh no what would I say and I was like that's so typical of all of us to yeah. uh, not self-promote but I'm gonna get her on here you watch
1: yes we need to get her on here yes totally, <laughs> totally.
0: and she's living it you know she's walking the walk not just talking the talk totally I totally
1: it. I agree I agree yeah. yeah
0: well do this for me tell me what has been your proudest professional accomplishment to date I mean there probably were many
1: (laughs) my proudest I think owning my own company Mm -hmm. I think that it has been my proudest um accomplishment because it was like I was going through the experience of after 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 Positano, I had gone to do work in in Brazil on an ecotourism initiative. And it's like throughout all these times when it's like, okay, so I did Rome. I noticed this and I was like, this is a problem. And, you know, even going to Brazil, I noticed community based tourism and I was like, they're doing great work how do we get this to Jamaica? How do we get this to other places in the world that have um, you know, something to offer, but just don't have certain boundaries in place for the tourism industry? And then there is you know, going to Ethiopia and working in Ethiopia with pastoralists on an eco-cultural center. And it's like, I'm doing all of this stuff, but yet still I'm not really owning or taking charge in a way that I really wanted to. And so then I go to the Peace Corps and then I go to the United Nations. And you know, all of these experiences definitely have given me so much but I think when I owned my own company and I'm like taking charge of it in the way that I know could definitely um, give opportunities to people who really really need it that for me became a really proud moment because now I'm in ownership and I'm now being able to give one percent of revenue to Afro-Peruvians and and do more that I really really want to do you know, so everything
0: about this. I mean, it's so amazing. You literally are, um, you know, a force for their economic development. You are marketing them. You are bringing attention to places that most people don't attend to. Um, wow. I mean, this is incredible. I can't wait to share everything in the blog as well. Like the click the links to see more kind of thing. Um, this is amazing. This is amazing. Uh, what made you like, what, made you take your first trip like why was it pleasure or business or i mean you were young so it must have been pleasure right
1: yeah well it was pleasure i mean i um my family is jamaican but i was i was born and raised in new york city um and a lot of that was like us having to go because our parents told us to (laughs) my sister and i I remember that (laughs) but but one of my first solo trips was just my decision. Nice. You know, and, and during, during the time when I traveled with my school, we really traveled by ourselves because we had our teachers as, you know, guardians. But, you know, there was a moment when I was like 14 in the Algarve and, you know, in a that I just walked down the street and went shopping by myself at 14 years old. Yeah. Um, and, and I was able to, you know, just be able to navigate, I was able to navigate in a way that I had ownership of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to buy and, and breaking my way back. And I spoke Portuguese at the time. So I just, I was comfortable and independent at that age. So like that perspective, I think, forced me to just love solo travel too. Yeah. And and forced me to also just throw myself out into the world. So backpack Asia, backpack South America, um, and and just have a certain level of confidence because I had a certain amount of training. So
0: that's amazing. So I'll tell you, um as much as I was a, you know, taken care of kid, I was taken care of because my parents were older they were tired and didn't really want to raise uh, you know, a, a child, again, they had done that. I was way younger than my brothers. So they basically said, here's a credit card, go do what you want. And I did what you did. I hopped on planes and I traveled the world at a young age. Like now that I'm a mom of a 19 year old, I'm thinking, were they high? I mean, there's no way I'd let my kid go do what I did, but that's not true. He he's been doing the backpacking thing, hiking across, you know, Montana, um, you know, hanging out by himself, you know, being responsible. And now that he's 19, I see that it gave him a sense of strength, independence, awareness. Like he's very aware of his surroundings. He's very independent, you know? Um, And that's what you did. And that's what happened to you. And I think more parents need to, you know, let their kids go and try and do and live and experience. Um, I know it's a little bit of a different world than when I grew up for sure, but- you're a good product of that sense of uh, it's sort of a Marcus Aurelius philosophy.
1: It is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, my days. Yes. I think that's, that's a pretty um, good analogy. (laughs) I
0: I think that's what makes you one of the most incredible women I've ever interviewed is that Mm -hmm. sense of um, you were self-actualized at a really young age. You know, most people they live groupthink and they do what they're told and they just go to work and go through the motions. And then one day something traumatic happens and they have to find themselves. And they're like, who am I? How did I get here? What do I get out of here? You know? So you're pretty awesome as I've said time and again on the show already. Um, (laughs) Let me ask you, did someone inspire you or motivate you like you do me or did you have a mentor or a sponsor? Um, You
1: know, my, mm, I don't, so I had a really good, like one of my favorite teachers I met in ninth grade and he was my Portuguese teacher. And, um, he really introduced me to like a different world. Like, um, he, he, he was very kind in terms of how he approached culture and like teaching culture. Um, it made you just think out of the box. So he was the first person to like let me listen to cesarevora from cabu verde and he would make uh and bring it to school and um i also got my first 100 um 100 what is it 100 grade I yeah spell.
0: yeah perfect grade
1: yeah yeah perfect like a plus like literally that was my grade for the semester and i was like you gave me a <laughs> 100 what <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he was just very positive in the way in which he, he taught us language and culture. And I think that was like, that has always kind of stuck with me, honestly, um, his teaching. Um, yeah,
0: I love that because, so for example, um, my, my kid goes to Berkeley and I guess they are trying to loop in the parents to keep us, I don't know. <laughs> you can imagine all the reasons, but they sent out this course for um culture through food, right? And you can take this course as an alum or a parent or any way that you're affiliated or even if you're just interested and not affiliated with Berkeley. And it talks about teaching cultures through the foods, the recipes, the flavors, the spices, the taste. Being from Louisiana, I know that like New Orleans culture is evident in our food um, and unique. And I think that your teacher having taught you through experiential means versus just read chapter eight and then get back to us on the test, what you learned, you know, spit it back out. That's incredible and life-changing. And it seems to have had a great impact on you. And I love that you tell that story. And I hope more teachers will um, take time out. And the sad thing is they, they often have to use their own budgets for this. And that's stinks really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but wow, you know, if the school system would allow for budgets that taught kids experientially, like the holistic yeah. way, yeah. And not just textbook fill and drill, you know,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally That's
0: incredible. That's incredible. Well, let me ask you, because I'm all about lifting women. And it's not that I'm about, you know, slamming men. I'm not. Um, but this is about lifting women. So I'm going to ask you what advice could you give to women to support other women in business?
1: Um, Be intentional. Be intentional about how you support women. Um, you know, so many times women are put against each other. I mean, that's literally how we're taught. It is very yeah. unfortunate and it's so sad. Um, but I would say be intentional about, about how you think about women, how you, how you engage with women, because you could just kind of be that robot and just do what you're told. But when you step back and you're like, how can I genuinely like see her? and support her. That changes the dynamic of how you end up relating to someone. Um, and I try and do that. And I also, um, I'm, uh, I have a give first mentality. So like, I will just approach someone and be like, you know, I see that you do this. I would love to support you or I'd love to have a conversation with you and find out a way I can support you. Um, that, is, that is how I try to interact with women <laughs> because we're always in need of of help, especially because the cards are literally stacked against us in so many cases. Um trying compassion when engaging is literally the most important thing you can do. And I yeah, I saw this meme where it was like
0: you sound like the Dalai Lama. Which
1: do is I? not bad. <laughs> Oh wow uh, <laughs> um, I, I saw this meme where it was just like every woman has fuddled um, played with her keys in her bag before going home or walked around the block before going home or you know uh, just basically just showing how all women have the kind of this experience where there's there needs to be compassion shown to each of us and I think um, just operating from that premise is is what helps me. And I think that's one of the ways I would say how women should support each other through compassion because you never know what's happening. Um, you never, you, you, you just operating from that premise does so much more than not operating from that premise where you're catty or you just don't support her because she thinks she's better than who that is, is just very negative. And that's definitely been stereotyped for women. So I think really seeing who this woman is for who she is looking at what she's giving to the world is one of the ways I would say to support,
0: you know, that is so beautiful. And I'm going to say it's so uncommon. So it takes a real conscious uh, effort to step outside of your own uh, tendency as humans to project your fears onto others and to instead look at this other person and say, you know, I'm not aware of what she's going through. I'm going to act out of love and open and create great space for her instead of, oh, the, t- the space is tiny. The time is short. The money is low. The pie is small. I have to elbow her out of the way to get my piece, you know, or my bite, um, I love that you said that. It really does take some serious self-love or love of self with a capital S to be able totally. to choose love and not fear and yeah. see other women as, you know, an addition. Competitors.
1: Yeah, instead yes. of competitors, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's
0: competitors. I love that you said that. But, and wow, you know, I, I interview a lot of business people on this show. And they're not all quite where you are, you know, with the self-actualization and the global mindset and the um, operating from the inside out, starting with self, uh, the capital S, not selfish, you know, not self with the smallest. Uh, so that really moves me that you said that. Um, I sure could use more women like that in my life. I could have in my business life. Um, Can't we all? Yes, <laughs> definitely. I'm at the age and stage in my life where i um, you know, have you ever heard the story of the frog and the scorpion, Aesop's fable? No. Okay, well I had not either, but um, I, you'll look it up after we hang up. There's an Aesop's fable about the frog and the scorpion. I'm not gonna tell the story now, but twice in my life, probably more than twice, but twice I've noticed that I am the frog. And I said to my husband just this morning, um, although I will never be the scorpion because I'm just not made of that, um, I am the frog no more. So look that up when we're done. And some of the folks out there listening, they know the story cause they've read Aesop's fables. Now I didn't know it either. And I'm 54, so no judgment here, but um, the frog no more folks. <laughs> and, and what Topaz is saying is don't be the scorpion, right? Don't be the scorpion. So what has been your biggest challenge, my friend? How did you overcome it?
1: Sure. Wow, <laughs> that is, uh, I think that's a podcast in itself, but, uh, I'll spare you. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is, um, or yeah, has been <sighs> for me, me, the community, um, you know, a lot of it is figuring it out. Yeah. Um, by yourself and and um, being an entrepreneur is it's a quite lonely experience you know um, it is not easy to find um, I don't I have to read about the scorpion and the frog so
0: yeah I'm like um, okay so I, I feel your pain I hear what you're saying without you saying it all together um, where do you find community tribe support posse sure sisterhood, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I've found um, community in is uh, it, it, it takes tapping into different worlds, I'd say. So I, I've definitely found community on the fourth floor. So I'm shutting them out because I've had really amazing conversations and community around there. Um, I also met this woman named Marie Rocker Jones, who is just profound. And she's a fellow... Black entrepreneur who I found, and I was grateful for finding her because I also wasn't finding much um, success or uh, (laughs) support within the Black entrepreneurial space. So finding her was just like gold. Um, And that, I found her through Upstream, yeah. Um, And it was through like, I did the pay it forward list I did like hundreds of interviews on the, from the pay it forward list, which was created by Kate from Bombas, yeah. Kate Hewlett from Bombass. and I mean, shout out to her. She did an amazing job putting that list together because it has helped so many people. Um, talk about allyship, that right there, that's allyship. Um, so so I, I went on, I used that pay it forward list Um, was able to tap into uh, upstream through Paid Forward List and met Marie. Um, And through Marie, I learned of the fourth floor and um, I was able to also connect, um, um, go on to the Higher Black Initiative, which also had, uh, when they had their Slack group, which also had um, really powerful allies and was able to tap into um, allies on there. So I think I really just, Tapped into all of these resources that were around me and was able to kind of strike gold by continuing conversations, by you know putting myself out there and to meet people who are um, aligned. Um, this and is
0: the woman who was on the bus seeking a woman who could tell her where to get her hair done. <laughs> I see that relentless in her pursuit.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I
0: love that. Very entrepreneurial. Very courageous. Mm-hmm. um very I think for women in general we find where a lot of people say we suffer imposter syndrome we are afraid to self-promote we are afraid to say hey look at me I need your help um mm-hmm. because we pretend we have it all together um I I, I don't think that's true of me <laughs> But I love that you were courageous enough. I mean like when I'm losing it, the world knows. I'm like, hey, I'm losing it. I need somebody's attention help. you know I need somebody's um, expertise, guidance. Uh, but I don't think a lot of women do that, right?
1: I think I think I think it depends on the woman and I also think it depends on what the need is because there's some That's people it. who, You know, if they need to eat tomorrow, like, you know, let's be honest, in COVID, it has cut a lot of women's salaries, especially Black females and Latino, I mean, just a lot of women are suffering, um, even with childcare, and so you have some women who are, like, proud, and they're just, like, gonna suffer, but then you have someone who are, like, I cannot take this anymore, you know what I mean, like,
0: I'm wearing
1: 39 hats, (laughs) so, um, (laughs) I think it depends on what it is, but you do have, you have people who are just kind of like, this is kind of my mantle and I have to bear it and take it up. And then you have some who are just like, no, no, I'm not doing this. So it depends on the need, it depends on the person. But I think that a lot more women are really calling this out and just being like, uh, you're seeing more women talking. And I think that that's great because we need to express ourselves. Um, more in terms of the burdens that we carry and just the, the amount of roles we play. Um, and it just needs to be acknowledged.
0: Well, the, I think that is the, um, well, first of all, for those listening, both Topaz and I are those women who will help and will listen and will, yes. it, yeah. So you got us, dial, speed dial, email, whatever
1: you think, <laughs> yes.
0: text, Facebook, whatever, I don't know. Um, but, but don't hesitate because I have been, at 54 I mean I started in business at 24 really young like in a high like an they have eight trillion dollars in custody this bank so it was a big deal position and I was really young and I certainly didn't want to let anyone know I had any vulnerabilities right you don't you you just want to go along to get along and mimic the men so that you can succeed and not speak out um but boy have I changed (laughs) (laughs) Um, but a lot of women are in that they're either culturally afraid to say something or they're prideful or um but those women even have their days where they break down and cry and go you know i need somebody to talk to even if they can't answer the question or fix the problem yeah i just need to be heard
1: Mm. yeah i agree i agree
0: Well, I believe you're that woman that, um, you know, puts herself out there as someone who will hear you and respect you. So, you know, call Topaz or me if you need. Let me ask you this. Um, This is the point in the show where I do something called the wild card question. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell you about it and I don't tell my guests, but you have the option to say no before I ask it. But if you say yes, we're going to like see how courageous, um, you know, you are, and I'm going to pull a question out of a box of 144 thoughtful questions, uh, ways to, you know, bond with fellow people. Um, sure. mm-hmm. awesome. I knew you would. You're the girl who stalked <laughs> someone on a bus in Rome. Come yes,
1: on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: All right. Well, I'm excited. This will be fun. Let me see. Something, you know, today that you wish you could tell your past self. Um,
1: the first thing that comes to mind is you will be successful nice you know I think a lot of times in college and you know just you don't feel that you're on this track where it's like you just have to get this and you have to get that and you have to work so hard and you have to you know and I'm not saying I'm not saying you're not supposed to work hard but you're on this this movement where you're you're very anxious about oh yeah what things are going to turn out like you, you're not sure if you're doing this right or um, there, there's just a lot of insurity and, and you know what's interesting I recently talked to this woman on um, I spoke with on lunch club And she is actually going for a Fulbright, and she was a bit anxious. She's a junior in college, and I told her I was like, "The internships you've done are so great," and she was like, "You know, really thankful in what I was telling her." And I was also telling her, even if somebody says that you know um, you have an unpaid internship, and they say don't count that, do count it because those are lived realities and lived experiences that you're bringing to the workplace, and from those um, from those skills that you have developed you're going to bring value. And, um, you know, in that, in that, even in that moment, I thought of myself when I was, you know, working at, you know, a career services office and working, you know, and interning at, you know, um, uh, throughout the city, I had like two internships at the same time, <laughs> but it was, it was like I was scared that I wouldn't be successful because I needed to get all these things underneath my belt and this level of confidence and, and skill set, soft skills, hard skills. But I really do believe that now I feel a level of success. Um and I would tell myself before, like, it's going to be okay. Like, you're going to be successful. You don't have to freak out or have all this anxiety around what your accomplishments are going to look like, or if you're doing this right or not.
0: I I love that answer. I think that every um, conscientious college student is experiencing that and COVID has made it worse. And the fact that you told that story um, about how you are sort of a mentor to her, it reminds me that. You know, my son, who his first two years at Berkeley was so stressed out and depressed and literally, I've never seen him unhappy before, like so depressed. And I thought, well, this is normal at that age, I guess, you know, but COVID made it worse. And then he said to me, I feel I'm afraid I have no purpose in life. And I'm like, well, that's a mighty deep thought for somebody 17, 18, you know, you need to just enjoy, just take today, right? The step in front of you just right now. Now Mm -hmm. that's a deep, um, you know, thought for someone that age. And now he's 19 and going on, you know, 45, having found (laughs) purpose in life. And he's very serious, very conscientious, but he looks back and says, I wish I could have told myself that I'm going to be okay.
1: Mm yeah
0: and i think your words are powerful topaz because especially for young girls Mm -hmm. um, there's such a flux for women like you know just as we started to gain some traction and getting into the workforce we still weren't moving up the ladder but we were getting into the workforce then Mm -hmm. covid hit and now we're knocked back several steps you know um yeah You give hope and then not just hope because it's not a strategy, you give direction, you give guidance, you give action tips. So I'm proud to know you, happy to know you and excited to um, bother you for the rest of my life.
1: <laughs> no, not bothering. Definitely reach out and, and connect. We we will be in touch because I think what you're doing on this podcast is also very Um, motivational for women and I know that it's creating an impact, you know, people hearing these stories, people, you know, um, just wanting to hear good, you know, wanting to be a part of that. And, you know, one of the thoughts I had recently is don't be nice, be good. You know, don't focus on just like uh, satisfying this outer layer or this exterior, you know, try and do something that, you know, if you do that for someone, that just did something for them so positively. Maybe they'll cry. Maybe they'll express an emotion. Maybe they can't even speak, but d- reverse that and not try and be nice, but just speak good. So I think this is a really good thing that you're doing. And um, I really appreciate you for doing this.
0: Oh, well, we're going to talk more about the other things that I do uh, for women to lift women and how I would like you to be involved but I love that you said that about nice versus good and when you read the Aesop's fable about the frog and the scorpion you will realize how truly impactful that comment you just made is uh at least to me for sure um yes do good always act out of a place of love and not fear and act with integrity um I think a lot of people, social sciences show that a lot of people think friendly means incompetent or nice means weak or kindness means weakness. That is not true. Uh, I'm going to do good, be good and feel good. I love it. Yes. <laughs> if people want to reach you, Topaz. How can they reach you?
1: Sure. They can reach me um, via the website, um, www. Ennoble, E-N hyphen com. Uh, they can also email me at info at Ennoble, um, E-N hyphen com. And they can also follow us on Instagram at E-N dot um, I think that they can also get more involved. Uh, seeing that we're not traveling as frequently right now, um, they can get involved in virtual experiences. We focus on... Um, experiences that you really can't find online. So there's Afro-Peruvian cooking with uh, Afro-Peruvian native woman. Um, There's um, a uh, a South Indian vegan class that's coming up, as well as an Angolan class and Cape Verdean class. Um, These are ways that people can kind of tap into these cultural nuances and cultures that are not broadly marketed. We also have um, local experiences. So like doing Peru in New York and doing, um, you know, Japan in New York, Uh, that will be live on the website soon. We are working on that landing page as we speak. Um, But those are some of the ways that people can get involved. And obviously once COVID lifts, people can travel with us and really impact local economies in a way that um, it makes sense for them because they get to know about cultures that exist globally that you know they might not have heard of, like the Japanese Peruvian community, the Malaccan community in the Netherlands, or the Surinamese Dutch culture in the Netherlands, or even the Afro Portuguese countries like Sao Tome and Principe or Cabo Verde. So those are some of the ways that people can get involved with us. But I look forward to um, you know engaging with the woman on your platform and really being of resource.
0: This is awesome. This is awesome. What a creative way to pivot during the time um, where we're sheltering in place, one. Mm. And two, my family believes in global worldview and huge. We're huge. Uh, We have a lot of wanderlust, right? We travel a lot. Uh, We Mm. cannot wait. We have COVID cabin fever, as many do. Uh, But it's my belief I'd rather have a passport full of stamps than a house full of stuff. So, um, I'll be checking out your website for my own personal needs and excited to um, maybe hook you up with some folks over here I know that are interested in learning more about um, what you do. The, the people I'm talking about and thinking about right now are involved in wine.
1: the alcohol and that, Yes, and that would be great because we're also working to connect with or working with um, the only... Um, vineyard off the coast of Africa the west coast of Africa so
0: wow yeah. oh my god they would love to know more I'm sure um sure. I'll hook you up I'll make an email introduction well have an amazing day and continue to share your amazing self with the world not just New York but with the world and and please you know let's keep in touch because I understand what you mean when you say solopreneurship can be Uh, tough, especially since I'm the one always, you know, helping others. It's sometimes Mm -hmm. hard for me to find a sister to ask help of.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Well, I am here, so please.
0: (laughs) You bet. bet. Well, all right. Well, have a good day, everybody, and thanks for listening, and Topaz, you stay safe.
1: Okay, you do the same, chow.